All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, the Sands spin the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by HazelSkyOnline.com, and this next segment is going to be sponsored by Tylow Orchid at the Dominion. If you're ever out shopping at the Rim area out there in Dominion, make sure you stop by Tylow Orchid. They are open Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. serving dinner. Great atmosphere, family atmosphere to eat from. Me and my family's been eating there for years. Again, that is the Tylow Orchid at Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, so... Transition a little bit, and we'll come back to the uh, to the NBA. I definitely want to talk about Kareem's uh, take. Uh, but looking at college, you know, the final four, the championship, we are down to the final two standing. Um, two historic programs in Kansas and Carolina. Um, looking at how these teams got here over the weekend, started with Kansas and Villanova. Um, I think Kansas really, you know, Villanova for the most part of this tournament has been able to control tempo and basically pay at a slow pace and slow the grind the game out. Kansas was just better than them in every position. And and I think that, you know, the injury that uh, Villanova surf, uh, suffered in the other game and the uh, Elite Eight game didn't help them. And I think also McCormick, the big guy for Kansas, I mean, they just had no answer for him. I mean, he was dominating. It was rebounding. They really got out-rebounded horribly. I mean, they just got off to a bad start. I mean, you kind of saw it in the women's game last night, too. These games and one elimination games, I mean, it is very important to get. I mean, you can't give up pretty much a 12-2 to run to open the game and really turnovers. Uh, turnovers really killed them. And if you look at Kansas – um, in their last couple games, you know, in the, the, the game against Miami, Kansas got off to a slow start. They got off to a, a slow first half start. They came out in the second half and they just blew Miami out the water. And I think they picked up from that point, um, in the game versus, um, Villanova. Um, but if you look at Carolina's side, I mean, that was a hell of a game with Duke and Carolina. That was really high quality execution basketball on both sides. Um, I think turnovers toward the end, uh, really hurt. And more than turnovers with Duke, it was free throw shooting. I mean, Duke had really made their hay in the tournament being one of the better three throw shooting teams. And I think in the last few minutes of that game versus Carolina, they really missed. I mean, the kid went up there and missed two free throws in a row would have, would have put them up by one. But I think free throws really hurt Duke down the stretch and some timely turnovers in Carolina. I mean, they just, I mean, they hit timely shots, man. I mean, they hit big-time shots. What you got, Antoine? Both teams really struggled there from the free-throw line. You know, uh, even the Tar Heels missed seven of their own. Mm. And then Duke, of course, in a closely contested game, missing eight there, especially in the final minutes. You know, to me, um, Duke was the only team I – well, I had Duke, I think, and Kansas both in the final four. Um, But I I feel that – well, no, I had Duke – but Carolina is the team I feel that, you know, that really had an up and down year. No one really had them a chance. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have Kansas. I just had Duke, right? Uh, you didn't have Duke. Uh, going back no. to the Final Four, because keeping record, got my little notebook here. You well, I must Gonzaga, be thinking about the other Kentucky, bra- Arizona, and Auburn. Yeah, I didn't, I'm thinking about the other bracket. So not the one for the show. My bad. But I, <laughs> Carolina, I, I, you know, Carolina is one of those that, no one really anticipated them being here at this point. Uh, you know, first year head coach, um, you know, and it's one of those that, you know, they're an eighth seed that's made it all the way to the championship game. Now, of course, this is one of those years I told you that it was going to be pretty much up for grabs. 
Um, the guard play is going to be really interesting because because I think Kansas, again, I think Kansas is probably have trotted out, I think, the best five, starting five amongst anybody in the tournament for the most part. You know, um, Carolina is probably going to have to play excellent defense to win this game. And the one thing I would have to be a concern with if I'm a Carolina fan or Tar Heel fan is, how much energy did you expend beating your rival in Duke and sitting Coach K home? You know, now granted, this is a national championship game. I don't anticipate them needing, I mean, again, we're talking like 18, 19-year-old kids, 20-year-old kids, but I'm just saying the psyche of the emotional and getting ready to turn around and play within 48 hours, it's it's one of those that it, they, they I wouldn't be surprised if they come out a little bit flat, but you can't do that against Kansas. Um, I'm going to give the slight edge to Kansas tonight because, for one, I think I said in the opening show, I think Bill Self needs this one. I mean, they've got like 11 conference titles since he's been there. They've dominated the Big 12 for the most part. And I think even Bill Self said in an interview uh, yesterday, I saw him say, you know, this is the one that – and, again, uh, Kansas hasn't gotten that much run nationally, even through the tournament. I mean, I, I heard Barkley talk about it in the post game the other night, which is true. Kansas hasn't got a lot of talk. We talked a lot of Gonzaga. Uh, we talked a lot of Coach K, farewell. I've been talking about that. Um, we, we talked a lot, you know, but out of, you know, St. Peter's was a nice run, but Kansas has kind of been overlooked. And I think Bill Self yesterday was saying that, you know, this is one of those that if he wins, he feels that, you know, he gets in that multiple title as a coach more than one. He's only sitting on one and it's been a time. I think it was 08. I think it was. Okay. So 08 the last one they won, but I think this solidifies really then you start talking about Bill Self in regards to if you look at all those conference titles, if you look at the Big 12 titles, if they're able to win this one, it kind of gets that. That's why I think the pressure is a little bit on Kansas because I feel like North Carolina, look, that's Tar Heel country. They're backed by Jordan. Um, there's not going to be any recruiting problems up in Carolina. I mean, but it, it's a lot of pressure replacing a coach in Roy Williams. I think Davis has done a good job. But I, I think this is almost this year is almost house money for them. Speaking of Carolina, you know you're replacing a Hall of Fame coach and Roy Williams, and then you find yourself in the same year you replace Roy, you find yourself in a national title game. So I think the pressure. I mean, there's pressure on both teams. I mean, make no mistake about it. I mean, if you're a former athlete, you played athletics in any level, you'll know that you got butterflies. You want to win if you're a true competitor. So I'm not saying that, you know, Carolina's just here to enjoy New Orleans and Bourbon Street. But I think the pressure of Bill Self in Kansas to get this done, considering the program that we hold them, or a lot of people hold them, especially in this region, I think it's very important for them to go get this win tonight and and crown themselves as the national champions of 2022, in my opinion. Yeah, and even when you talk about the downplay of Kansas, I mean, you you said it right from the moment we were making our brackets. They benefited from playing that Midwest. So it's it's not like there was a whole lot of drama behind them building up to this point, and now they're officially being tested, if you could say. Well, let me tell you, that's the the first half against – Villanova is probably the best half I've seen Kansas play, if not all year, um, since I've watched them, especially this year. So if they play like they play, whether they finish in the Midwest, the, the, the South region, if they play like they played in the first half against Villanova and shoot the ball that well, they could beat anybody. They could have beat anybody in this side. The question is, are they going to continue to be able to do that? And, and I do think Carolina, 
Carolina's got a little bit more size to deal with them than Villanova did because they really had no answer for him. They really did McCormick. They really had no answer for that guy. But I think Carolina has a little bit more, um, you know, size to be able to do that. And my guard from Carolina, who's my guard from Carolina? Pay hey, what's his name? So my I mean, mind. You've got a handful of them. You got RG Sam Davis. knows who I'm talking about. Not RG Davis. It's the Armando other one. Baycott. It's the no, other. No, no, Baycott's the center. My bad. Uh, Caleb Love. Ca- yeah, Caleb Love. Man, he's he's special. Um, it's going to be interesting tonight how Bill Self handles him, because I think for Carolina to win, I think Caleb he's got to have uh, he's got to have a monster game. I mean, when I say monster, I mean because he hit a dagger. The one he hit against Duke. When it was about fifty, about a minute left, under a minute, and he just, you know, was coming down, and you think Duke's going to make this stop, have a chance to go up two possessions, and he nails a three, like from behind the three point line, ice water, and then that was, and when he hit that, I figured that that was game. I just figured that it was Carolina had weathered that storm to go, so it's going to be interesting to me how Bill Self handles him tonight because you got to really control him. Um, in the backfield, because if he gets going, then everybody else gets going. But I think Carolina, uh, I think uh, Kansas is a four-point favorite, uh, minus 190 on the money line, plus 160 for UNC the other way. Uh, but it should really be an interesting uh, game. I think it's been a good tournament. I really do. I think there's been a lot of exciting games. I think there's been competitive games uh, from round one on. Uh, but it comes down to these final two in Kansas and um in North Carolina. There's an interesting trend with Caleb Love when you look at his game logs. Mm-hmm. Since the tournament started, he opened it up with a 10-point performance against Vatek, then 23 against Marquette, then 5 against Baylor, then 30 against UCLA, then 14 against uh, St. Peter's, and 28 against Duke. So if you if you like patterns and you follow trends, mm. I'd probably say he has an, a fall-off night. I mean, a this is a big night? stage, mm. but it's just weird. That's a weird, that, that, that's a weird coincidence, right? Well, the, but, but see, I can go back with watching him through this tournament. Those 14 and 20 you talk, those are all very, very impactful points. Those are timely shots that he's hit through those course of those times. Um, he does make them go. Um, I think Carolina, too. I think Kansas' key is that um, you can't have both. I mean, I think they've got to really do a good job of keeping Carolina from hitting the threes, and Kansas has got to really you know, really do a good job in transition defense because Carolina is the type that they'll turn you over, and they like to get out and run. They're very athletic, and they're very quick. Um, but I will tell you this, I think it's going to be, it's going to, I do think that it's going to be a little bit more challenging for Kansas to sit there and oppose their will of style of play on Carolina than it was Villanova. I think size made it easier on Villanova. That's why when Friday went here, I say, I'm kind of leaning on Kansas to get this one because the size of them and then also that key injury Villanova lost in their last game before going in. But I just think, and from a bench standpoint too, I think Carolina can go a little bit more deep in the bench than even what Jay Wright did. But it should be a hell of a game, and we'll put a conclusion on the 2022 um, Men's National Championship uh, tonight. 1-800-707-9760. You said we had a tweet from, before we move on from Dante about the women's. He wanted to bring up a, a point. Yeah, uh, so Don Staley, 
Yes. Uh, becomes the first African-American women's head coach in college basketball to win uh, more than one title. Yeah, and I know I heard Staley, she also took a piece of the net and she sent it off each piece to a lot of the black coaches that are still coaching. But no, she's, I mean, she was a hell of a player, um, you know, when she played. But I definitely, it goes back to what you asked me a few segments ago. I definitely think she's changed the expectations and the culture of uh winning it's not just about getting to the tournament or getting to the final four they've she's changed that to where they're expected to kind of win you know kind of going forward 1-800-707-9760 all right before we go into a couple other notes and stuff before we get out of here um uh, we'll touch on in the last couple segments uh it's master's week uh we know it's master's week uh this week um at augusta and the crazy thing is but well, before we do that props to jj spawn uh, who basically won, I hope I got his last name, he won his first PGA Tour at Valero. He shot a, what was it, a 69, I think it was, he shot on Sunday. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, he was to go ahead and take the uh, take the lead. Wow. Take the lead there and win that tournament. Um, Valero, he's on his way to go play Masters, too, by the way, by winning this one. And I've always thought that's the contrast to those golf, you know, the course, the way TPC, then going into Augusta. But so props to him. The other thing is Tiger Watch. I had a chuckle when I saw this. I'm like, this guy here, this guy's something. I mean, the day that I would live to hear a golfer tell everybody at a major tournament, he's a game time decision. Like, trust me, like Tiger, as far as I follow Tiger Woods, there's he's always been in tune to other sports. Where I mean, think about it. this guy is big enough to know that he showed up to Augusta. He's pre- First of all, I think it's a hell of a story he's even there. I mean, the guy almost died. Okay. Um I think it's one of those situations to where it's amazing to even have him out there. I think if he showed up, you know, that he's showing up with attentions to to play. Now, the thing about this is, is that uh, I've never been out there, um, but, you know, I'll leave the experts up to Andy Ever. But what I've heard is that, you know, the Augusta is a very difficult course to walk. Okay, there's a lot of up and down hills. There's a lot of turns. You know, you can find yourself in different line. And the reason why I say this is because it's not like he's getting exemption to ride a cart. I mean, how, how does his body handle walking 18 holes for even two days? Like, say, if he only makes the cut, if he's only out there Thursday and Friday and he misses the cut, how does his body handle walking a total of 36 holes? Those are the things. I mean, they're expecting rain. I mean, they always expect rain at Augusta. Does that affect when you got plates and screws and the weather and it's more, you know, the balls, you know, basically, you know, sogged down, the shoes are law. You know, it's a lot going in, but I think it's a hell of an accomplishment because I remember the day coming in here after the wreck and I thought for sure that was it. I mean, if you had a near-death experience, I feel like everything he's accomplished for everything he's won. I mean, you won this tournament over 40 years of age when nobody thought you could win a. I thought that was going to be it for competitive golf because of the injuries and the type of surgeries I was hearing and going to. Now, of course, he's a he's a he's a historian of the game. There's the whole Ben Hogan situation. Everybody's documenting that. Ben Hogan got hit by a Greyhound bus. Went on to now. The only difference, I, if I if my memory serves me correctly, uh, Ben Hogan was a little bit younger than even Tiger is right now going to that stage when he did. But um, I think if he showed up, he's going to play. I mean, people forget the practice round at Pro-Am that he had with Charlie a few months ago. <laughs> he looked at, he hit the ball pretty good. Now, that ain't – I mean, he didn't finish, 
But he, he he hit it pretty good. And I've been hearing he's been practicing hard, so we'll see. I mean, he says it's a game-time decision. I'm pretty sure Augusta will wait. They'll wait all the time he needs if he's going to tell them come Thursday morning. It might depend on how he feels when he gets out of bed on Thursday if that back feels all right. Because I'm, I'm imagining he's playing 18 holes between today and tomorrow to Wednesday to see how he really feels come Wednesday before he makes that decision. Well, when you talk about walking the course, it's interesting. Yahoo Sports broke uh, broke a story about an hour ago that when he was out on the course doing a practice session today, he was not repping Nikes. New shoes today. Uh, he's hmm. wearing uh, a, wore a black pair of Foot Joy Premier Packard shoes. Now, neither uh, Foot Joy nor Nike had a comment for Yahoo Sports. But if you're talking again about just your comfortability to get out there and, and play... I mean, he's, he did not do it with a swoosh on his shoe. Is gonna would be interesting. Um, if he's gonna put some foot joys on, I'm pretty sure unless Nike gave present uh, permission, they're gonna they're gonna basically put one of them checks on the side of it and draw it in. I mean, that's a lot of money Nike's paying him. I, you know, unless foot joy something's coming on, you know, uh, with foot joy, but. I'm pretty sure, you know, Footjoy made the come like, hey, man, if you just put these on a practice round and somebody sees it, that's all we're going to get. That's all the publicity we need. I'm pretty sure Tiger's smart. I'm pretty sure if he either got permission with Nike, but I'm pretty sure if he plays this tournament, it's going to be Nike shoes. I'm pretty sure. I'd be shocked. I didn't hear about that. That's a nice little nugget. I, I didn't hear about that, but that's interesting. But I couldn't imagine him going out and playing a sanctioned PJ at the Masters of that and playing in some Footjoys. Okay. I mean, I don't know about that. Two days we'll in a row. Two days in a row. All right. Because he probably would. Nike probably whatever you need just to get you to Thursday to that tee. <laughs> if it has to be foot joys, it has to be sketches, anything. Listen to the sports ground. When we get back. We'll get to Kansas City Rob. Today's show is being presented by HazelSkyOnline.com. We'll be back. Ready for a real cocktail? Introducing new Zing Zang ready-to-drink cocktails in a can. America's number one Bloody Mary mix with vodka. Zing Zang margaritas, tequila included. And whiskey sours with real Kentucky bourbon. Ready for no one to have to bartend. Real cocktails, real ingredients, really good. New Zing Zang full-strength canned cocktails. Legendary taste, legendary day. Always ready. Go to ZingZang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. If you've been accused of a crime, you need trusted and aggressive representation. You need the LaHood Norton Law Group. Over 80 years of combined experience handling both federal and state cases. All of their lawyers are former high-level prosecutors who know the justice system from all sides. For a free consultation... All right, back to the sports crime. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clarkson, Sam Spin, the one and twos. Today's show was presented by HazelScottOnline.com. And this last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Two words, the key to any perfect cocktail, and that's Zing Zang. Make sure you try any of their pre-made alcoholic drinks, different flavors, or you can just stick to the original mix and add your own alcohol. That is Zing Zang, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right. So, yeah, we had a couple other. We, I mean, we had some uh, breaking news, a trade, big trade going down today between the Saints. Whatever. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, to get home and digest all of it. I know a couple other NFL notes where we go to the phones. Um, 
You know, I know there's rumors out there saying DJ Metcalf uh, could possibly be available for the right price. And um, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay's being rumored to him. Look, I got to see. I know DK Metcalf. I know he's big. Um, a lot of makes a lot of guys feel uncomfortable when he takes his shirt off. Guys like myself and stuff. But I'll tell you this: I've got to see him without Russell Wilson. I mean, to me, you know, again, he's a big guy, but his route running, you know, you got to think Russell throws one of the best deep balls in the league. Um, and and again, a lot of his plays off scramble. I don't know. If if uh, and I'm not saying he's not, but I just say the the rush and just say automatically he's the number one receiver that would really be able to fill the two. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, and especially I don't know what Seattle would be rumored to give up for. Him, but I don't know. I've seen a lot of guys think that they're number ones or this and that, and all of a sudden when they get out, whether they lose a counterpart, a number two on the other side, Juju. You know, type Antonio Brown, but like I said, Juju's gonna be all right because he's gonna be surrounded by other wolves this this season. So Juju's gonna be have a comeback year. I can tell you that right now. Um, that's why I'm gonna say pause for that a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm not saying a guy is gonna automatically suck or whatever, but I don't know if DJ's just one of those receivers you can put in any system with any quarterback. I don't know. You know, but we'll see. I don't know. Six foot four, two forty. I think he fits pretty much anywhere. That's big, fine, big but I mean, I, speed. I, I mean, could you imagine him with like Tennessee as a weapon for for Tannehill? Again, the offense doesn't have to be built around you because the, the the pass game is more complementary. But can, Tana, can but can Tannehill make him better though? See, I think a lot of what you saw in DJ Metcalf was, for one, he was pretty much undervalued coming in. Everybody, you know, didn't even think he was the best wide receiver at college in South Carolina on his team at the time. But what I'm telling you is that. First of all, Ryan Tannehill ain't no Russell Wilson. No. And 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 to me, I'm just telling you is that is he a true true one? And it depends on what they're going to give up. If they get I mean, it's rumored for right now, but I'm like, you know, is is he a guy that if Green Bay gets, I'm going to say, "Oh, there you go. They didn't found the replacement for Devontae Adams." They pick up where they go to. No. I don't know. Yes, of course he's a big target. You can't teach 6-4 and whatever he is. <laughs> but how is his hands? How is his route running? What does he do with a quarterback that doesn't scramble around and run around until by time to make plays where coverage breaks down and stuff? I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Um, also, uh, what else do we want? And if, oh yeah, well, let's go to the phone because I want to get real quick to this Kareem thing before I get out of here. But let's go to the phones and see what we got. Let's go to Kansas City Rob. Kansas City Rob, you on the sports ground here on Ticket Seven Sixty and Thirteen Hundred Zone? What's up? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing, man? All right, man. How you doing on Championship Night? Man, I'm good, man. A little anxious, as always, man. You know, us KU fans, we always get a little anxious, a little, little excited. But, uh, Cal, you, you pretty much brought up a lot of good points um, as far as, you know, you know, but the, as far as the game tonight. Kansas, their thing I, is they have to guard the perimeter. If, mm-hmm. if Manic and if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Caleb Love, through the tournament, they've scored 91 threes. Kansas has took 91 threes as a team combined. Through hmm. the whole tournament, yeah. so you know guard play is a must. Uh, I'm expecting uh, Leaky Black from Carolina to to guard uh, Ochai Abaji. You know Abaji was hot Saturday night against Nova. Um, you know free throws, and, and hopefully Kansas doesn't live and die by that three because there has been times during the season 
And, and even though it kind of showed his ugly head against Villanova, they were to start jacking up threes and they weren't going down. And Nova started making that run and cut, and cut it down to six. Yeah. So, you know, as far as, far as you know, guard play, you know, it, it's a must. Um, and also, too, you know, Armando uh, Baycott, is his ankle, it's not going to be 100%. So, you know, Bill's going to have to force feed this, you know, within the first four minutes to see if Baycott, how he- you know, how healthy he is. Because, you know, McCormick, you know, I think he's got a little bit more step than you know, Baycott, but Baycott averages like 15, 16, you know, rebounds a game, you know, through most of the season. Um, and, you know, as far as, you know, like, Calvin, we've had this discussion. If they were good for me July 6, 2021, they're good for me now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, you remember I messaged you on it when, when Remy Martin transferred. Yeah, this team—it's not—it's not Bill's most talented. It's—it's it's probably more, you know, more loaded because they can go seven, eight deep on the bench if they have to. Carolina usually goes six, maybe seven. They've been battle tested. They've had an up and down season. You know, you know me—I'll I'll call them out. They play like crap all year, and mm-hmm. I just think you know this team is very focused. They're trying to avenge the 2020 team because nobody had Kansas losing in 2020, but of course the, the tournament got canceled. You know, with COVID. And, and Bill, he's playing for his dad. He lost his dad earlier in the year. Yeah. And, you know, so this, this team is focused. And I, I think it's going to be a grind-out game. I, it ain't going to be no cakewalk. But, like, the, the important thing, like you said, how much energy did Carolina expend playing against Duke? Because a game like that, you know, that, that's almost, that, that was a national championship feel that game was yeah. on no. Saturday night. I agree. I agree. Thanks for the phone call, Kansas City, Rob. Yeah, I, I agree. That was one of the main things that stuck out to me. And, um, you know, no, I mean, I've heard Bill even say that it's not one of his most talented team, but he thinks it's the most togetherness team that he's had, uh, the, the, the bonding. Uh, but I, I still feel like it's important for him to finish the job, even if no one really expected him to be there or Kansas to be here the way, like Rob said, they had an up-and-down season. He's here, and um, he needs to be, you know, he needs to probably get it done. And who's to say, you know, win the national championship, ride out to the sunset and be the guy that's chosen by R.C. Buford to replace Pop? Never know, you know? I mean, he's been rumored for years. I mean, you know, you know, RCs, I think he's a Kansas grad. You know, they know each other. I, you know, I mean, Bill Self, I wouldn't, I wouldn't problem with that. Can connect to the players right there. College, been in college so around, connect to the youth, know how to do it. But yeah, he might kind of go out on top in that way. Let's keep it going. Let's go back to the phone. Let's go to Mike. Mike, you on the sports ground here on ticket 760 and 1300 zone. What's up, Mike? Yeah, what's up, man? Uh, hey, I wanted to talk to you about the uh, Colin Kaepernick situation, man. Um, a couple of years ago, um, I was one of those people who felt like uh, Colin Kaepernick didn't deserve a chance to um, get back into the NFL, man. But I, I didn't think it was going to be this long of a t- period of time. You know, I, I figured it might, you know, be a couple of years and he might be get back in the game. But I'm glad that Jim Harbaugh brought him into Michigan and worked him out. You know, so he can, so some NFL scouts can look at him. Uh, I think Colin Kaepernick deserves, and everybody deserves a second chance. I think that Colin Kaepernick, I don't, I don't know if he can be a starter in the NFL again, but I do think Colin Kaepernick can help somebody's team, and and I like to see somebody uh, get a man a shot to get back into the NFL. I think he's paid his time, his dues, and and I like to see what you think about Colin Kaepernick get back in the NFL. All right, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. Um, look, you know. I did see that with Harbaugh down in Michigan, uh, you know, on their spring day or whatever they had. I mean, went out there and threw some footballs. I, of course, you know, I keep forgetting. Even I forget sometimes. Like, wow, that's right. Harbaugh did go to the Super Bowl with Kaepernick. That was his quarterback. So there's a bond there. Um, 
this is the thing. I mean, you know, do I think Kaepernick deserves to be? I mean, this is a fair question. I mean, can you tell me there's 32 backups that's better than him? Probably not with his skill set. I think it would be a different team. But the thing where I stand is that I'm just tired of hearing Pete Carroll talk about him. I mean, Pete Carroll has sent there. I mean, he had the press conference a couple weeks ago talking about, yeah, we're talking about the Kaepernick. This is a guy that was going to sign him allegedly when Ka- Kaepernick had that that workout thing with those guys, those certain teams that didn't go that way. Pete's been talking about it. Then sign him. Sign him. That's all I'm saying. Like, Pete's the one that's talked about it. Everybody, all the other coaches, under they've kind of like, well, you know, this. Yes. I mean, and I think Seattle is in the city. I mean, they say that they're high on Drew Locke. We'll see. I think they're waiting in regards to the Baker situation, and arguably they couldn't end up making a play this draft with one of the quarterbacks they might like that's coming out this year. But why not have Kaepernick in as a backup per se, especially with that type of organization up there? You you know the the pushback probably wouldn't be as much, but at the end of the day, this is a this is a decision that I feel that is is bigger than a coach per se uh, because of the de facto. Keep in mind, this is a guy that sued the NFL and the owners. These owners don't take too light of that, the way they like to control. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with seeing him back. And I mean, How bad does he want to get back? I don't know. He's working out. I mean, he does. I, don't, I can't imagine him doing all this just to keep his name out, and I really want to come back. But all I, I'll, I'll listen to it just as long as it's not for Pete Carroll because Pete Carroll just signed lip service to me, you know, just lip service. You know that? No, man, we still want to rush here. Yeah, whatever, man, whatever. Anyway. All right, so switching gears. So, yeah, we'll get into this trade, a lot of drafting. I mean, this has been a summer like no other with NFL. I mean, it's, it's probably going to make the season, the offseason, go by a lot quicker. I mean, we're only a few weeks away now, 20-some days away from the dra- draft out in Vegas. Uh, but um, we'll get into that tomorrow, how that shaked out. I'm hearing it between the Saints and I think Philly, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but um, switching gears back, NBA, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, came out with a comment uh, a few days ago talking about LeBron and was pretty much, you know, praising LeBron for the work he's done with the schools and the kids that have graduated at his academy and, you know, being a citizen, you know, up speaking for social justice issues and all that. But in the same breath in the same interview, gave him a backhanded, you know, pretty much. I won't say that was the first one. It sounded like it was a backhanded comment because the, the whole thing came before that, that he was disappointed in saying there were some things that he said, speaking of LeBron, that was beneath him. Okay, And just paraphrasing a little bit what this stems from is Kareem is talking about the comments LeBron made a few months back in regards to the COVID situation for one comment and tweet talking about, well, COVID and flu, and then having like, he had like three Spider-Man emojis or three Spider-Mans or whatever point. Like, hmm. And then he followed up with that like a month or so later in regards to the vaccination situation, not knowing that if vaccination was the right thing or we've been forced to do that. So Kareem's situation is he took LeBron and saying, hey, you know, in our community is what LeBron's done. He's done all these great things, but I think he's above that, you know, knowing basically how many lives that COVID's taken in the African-American community, and he should be the one that's kind of speaking up, telling people to get vaccinated. Pretty much what Kareem's saying. And I would tell Kareem, pause, man, pause. I understand Kareem was wearing a dashiki and everything else and fought the good fault, you know, for back in the civil rights movement and all that, him and Jim Brown. But I think for what LeBron has done for the community, the African-American community, and what he's done speaks for itself. I think to sit there and be upset with LeBron or even say or write and say that 
it's he's is beneath him and it was kind of immature and he's better than that same because he didn't want to sit there and felt a certain way about getting behind the vaccination train. Because like I said, vaccination has always been an issue in our community way before this COVID. I just was shocked that it became a big thing in COVID. Like, damn, nobody, people don't want to get a shot. You ain't get a shot. Like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people, not just in the black community, all around all races that haven't really been eager to go get vaccines put in their body that's kind of done the natural. So to me, for Kareem to go ahead and do that, I, I thought it was kind of like, come on, man. You know, suppose they'll have a talk. And LeBron took the high road because that's captain. That's that's Kareem. LeBron's got a lot of respect for what Kareem's done for the culture in the fight coming before his time. But make no mistake about it, too. LeBron getting ready to pass his ass next year for a possibility. Okay, I'm not saying, Jonas, that's all that had to do with the comments. The little bit before your time, Jonas, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was an ass. He was an ass basically playing back in the day. He was an ass to teammates. That's why that move, that Showtime, that Lakers Showtime that they got going on on HBO Plus or Showtime, but whatever the hell it is. It, the reason why I like it is kind of cheesy, but it really shows you a side of Kareem and a side of that whole Laker team, how he really was back then. But make no mistake about it. I don't think it has everything to do with it. But again, if you think that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who thinks that he, in which he's probably right, that has never got enough credit for what he's done for the community, doing sports, and not only that, he's never really brought up as one of the greats and one of the goats. That bothers Kareem, and maybe it should. But some of this undertone has to do, if you think he's totally happy about LeBron, Passing him in points. You're crazy. You're crazy. But I just thought it was out of line. I just say, come on, man. LeBron hasn't done enough for our culture to sit there and you're going to critique him just because he didn't, he wasn't fronting telling every black person and every black hood and barrel to go get a COVID shot. Come on, Kareem. All right. Well, the comments didn't come out of left field entirely. LeBron was recently uh, recognized for, uh, for his work and his and his uh, receiving of the Muhammad Ali Legacy Award for his role in social activism. That's where this all stems from. And Kareem was asked for comment. Now, yes, he had his comments to the L.A. Times, but then he followed that up with a with a written response back to the Times, where he says, uh, when I said that he has done some things that he should be embarrassed about, that wasn't a slam or a barber, even a finger wag. It was me recapping some of what I'd said in the past. The Sports Illustrated article was an homage to LeBron, uh, referencing a, a previous article, was an homage to LeBron for winning the Muhammad Ali Legacy Award for his role in social activism. So when I think he may be veering from that path uh, that made him win that award, I'll mention it. I'm a journalist. I, it's what I do. But I believe LeBron is strong enough and gracious enough to understand that I only have love for him in my heart. And not wanting to champion getting a vaccine shot is not veering from that agenda. What Kareem's saying. That's what I'm saying. I know what it stemmed from. I'm just calling I'm just calling foul. I'm just calling uh, the illegal motion on the skyhook, man. Cut it out, man. Like, come on. You know, like you try to praise him. He sounds like a back and butt. You know what? I'm disappointed because beneath him. Just because he didn't champion everybody with the vaccine. Like, come on, man. Anyway, all right, man. That's a wrap. Special thanks to the producers of the show, Jonas Clark. Special thanks to Mr. Sandspin, the one and two, San Antonio, Austin, Del Rio, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you, hit the snooze button and for you out the rack, just ask yourself. You grind in peace. See you tomorrow.